everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. My name is Ryan Burklow. And I'm Alex Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about whether or not you should pay cash for a new car or take a loan. It's This is something that we get questions on all the time. Uh, even more so because of where interest rates have gone. Um, you know, a year ago or two years ago, we weren't getting this as much, but we still got it. But mm-hmm. now we're getting it a lot more. So... We thought we would, we can't answer this obviously for every listener <laughs> right now, right? Because as uh, the political, the compliant statement we will state is what well, depends, right? Because we don't know your financial situation. We are going to talk about uh, three different variables that you should consider that should help you decide which one makes the most sense for you. But before we dive into it, Alex, what are you drinking today? Uh, today I am drinking. A devotion. It's a blonde ale from Lost Abbey down in California. Uh, clocks in at 6%. Um, I don't have the IBUs in front of me. I, they're not going to be very high because it's a blonde. Yep. Lost Abbey is, is a good one. They, they make good beer. It is. I, I Pretty much anything that Lost Abbey puts out, mm-hmm. I enjoy. Um, this is a light, refreshing beer. It's like... It's... Uh, it's a little bit hefty for a blonde, which is one of the reasons why I like it. Um, it's also packs a punch at 6%. Uh, so, but this is a great summer beer. It's uh, just kind of a good, like, have a beer in the afternoon and still able to function and do everything that you need to do or want to do. What's your bottle cap rating? I, I, I love this beer. I'm giving it an eight. Yeah, I, I definitely would give it an eight. That's that's one of my I've had that quite a bit. And to your point, I like how it's heavier a little bit more and, and packs that punch. So yeah. I, I like that piece. So definitely try them out. If you're listening and you haven't had it before, try them out. So Alex, let, let's get into today's conversation, right? Because you know, you know I get random questions all the time. I mean, just the other day I got a question around like, hey, do you happen to know an employment uh lawyer? Right? Like it, it's amazing the different questions that we get, but the top question we're getting uh, as of late is pay for cash and pay for the car in cash or take a loan out on it. And right, it really depends on how you look financially and the feasibility of it, right? So the first thing we, I want to dive into, at least in my opinion here, Alex, is, is the cash flow aspect, right? What yeah. if you take the loan? Can you afford the monthly payment of the loan? Which sounds like a really, really, really basic question. Uh, but let's dive into it a little bit further. Like, are you still able to have that 15 to 20% savings rate? Are you still able to uh, like live the life that you want to live? If the answer is yes, great. Yep. Then like now the question becomes not like can you afford it it's which way is more effective which kind of skips down to our last component yeah so we'll talk about the the last component too but the, the first component you need to look at is from a cash flow perspective can you afford it what right what what is it eating into is it eating into your savings is it eating into your lifestyle and maybe you're okay with that right maybe you're subsidizing one piece where you're spending a bunch of money and putting it towards the car payment. I'm not sure, but that's what you should be looking at is cash flow aspects. I mean, I recently had a client ask me like, Hey, am I crazy to, to, you know, spend this much money on a car? And 
I was like, all right, well, let's, is it going to prevent you from protecting your income? He goes, no. Okay. Is it going to prevent you from saving 20% of your income? No. Is it going to give you enjoyment? Is it what you want to spend money on? Yes. Cool. There you go. We're good. Yep. Now the only question is like, which, like, what's the methodology for paying for it? Which takes us to number two, which what I'd labeled as flexibility, right? Like what flexibility are you going to still have if you do it? So we brought up in the first example, the cash flow, like maybe you can afford the loan, but you're tapping into savings or you're tapping, like you're taking a little bit too much. So you're, you're adding a little bit more of a monthly debt than you probably should, which is going to affect the flexibility you might need or want. Yeah, like what happens when the unexpected occurs because it's going to. We don't know whether it's going to be good. We don't know if it's going to be bad. We don't know if it's going to be big or small. We know that something unexpected is going to happen because it always does. And conversely, let's just say you can afford the the loan, but you're having to tap into your emergency fund and maybe your emergency fund is almost depleted. Okay, again, what flexibility do you still have and what Alex just said? Because stuff will happen, both good and bad. Would you want that money sitting there? Right. Because I think a lot of people, like I hear this all the time and it's not that it's bad necessarily. The issue is, is we can't predict the future. And what people say is, well, Ryan, I'm going to take $30,000 out. I've got X amount. Like I'm making up figures here, $30,000 and now I'm going to buy the car in cash. Okay. What does that do to your emergency fund? Well, it pretty much dips down to where I've got maybe a month of expenses sitting there, but I can rebuild that in like 12 months. While that statement is 100% accurate, it's only accurate if nothing else comes up. And And it it doesn't have to be bad, by the way. Right. It it could be good. Then when you... Right. And one, like the... So like, okay, what do we do with that circumstance? The question becomes, okay, how important is it to buy the car now versus buying the car in... Yes. Three months in six months. Is there a different way that we can structure the deal? Is there like what, how can we make it work for you while at the same time protecting that flexibility and the, the cash flow um, and the liquidity? Cause like it's really like that's what it boils down to is like, okay, did you paint yourself into a corner? Hopefully yep. not. Yep. Which then takes us to, we, we labeled this feasibility, which is more of, okay, let's just say you've decided that you've got the cash flow. Like the issue isn't you can afford the monthly payment. The issue is now, does it make sense to pay for it in cash? Right? And so really the question you should be asking yourself is, okay, so if you're going to take out 50000 30000 whatever the figure is to pay for the car in cash – what would that money have done for you? Where are you pulling the money from? And what would that money would have, what would have done for you had you not taken it out versus taking out the loan? Like, let's just do a real quick example here, Alex. Like I think car interest rates right now are, I mean, I think you can get a new car interest rate at like 2.9 or 3.9 on some of them, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But let's, let's just use the Let's use a 5% interest rate. Let's just take it one step above, right? It's 5% interest rate on the car, which I think is a, is in the middle ground. It's going to take 5%. You, where are you pulling it from? 
right? If you're pulling it from savings, well, what's the money doing in, in savings? What interest rate do you expect on that? So let's, let's walk through how they should look at this, Alex. Sure. So, okay, let's, you know, if you've got high yield savings right now, you should be getting somewhere in the neighborhood of four to 5%. Um, this is July, early July of 2023. Um, every bank is going to be different. You may not be getting a high yield savings. Like there's a host of different like rates that are out there. There's a bunch of different ways of comparing rates. We'll leave that to you. But like what we're seeing right now is somewhere in the neighborhood of four to five percent, uh, as, uh, the interest rates that we're seeing credited to like money markets and high yield savings accounts. Um, so if the rate is five percent, and you're able to get 5%, that's kind of a wash. I would almost 100% rather keep the cash, create the payment, and then if interest rates drop, you've got the cash to be able to pay it off. So walk through that a little bit further, right? Because some people might go the opposite way and say, well, I don't want to deal with the monthly payment and the debt. Why are you, Alex, suggesting – by the way, I, I would think the exact same way you are. I'd rather have it sitting in savings. Why? Having more flexibility, more liquidity, more ability to deal with whatever life throws at you. Um, and like, who knows? Maybe like if interest rate – like once you've locked in the rate at say 5% on the auto loan, if rates continue to go up and now you're getting 6% on your savings account, well, Okay. Pay five, earn six. Yes, I will do that all day long. Yep. Especially if it's guaranteed. Yep. Like you're just arbitraging that 1% difference. If interest rates go down, like, okay, I've got the cash in the bank. I can just write a check and not have to worry about it. And now it's just paid off. So it's a heads I win, tails I don't lose type proposition. You have to have the, the, the ability to uh, not spend money. So like think of whatever the dollars are that you're allocating towards this as like out of sight, out of mind. But beyond that, yeah, like, you know, you're, you're in much better shape. So let's take it a step further. So let's say the interest rate is still five, but let's just say the savings account's only getting you two or three or something like that. So now there is that difference. Then what? Sure. Um, so, I mean, the first question that I'd usually ask is like, okay, if it's only earning you two and clearly you're comfortable spending the money, why is the money still sitting in savings? So role play a little bit yeah, with me, right? Like, well, that's making, so let's, I, I will role play with you. And most of the time it's going to look like this. I'm going to role play like real life with, it's probably looking like. So I'm going to tell you, say, well, it's I, it's 5% interest rate. I'm only getting 3% in my savings account. I'm going to take the money from my savings account and I'm going to buy the car. Okay. Well, so what would the money do if, if you weren't going to use it for the car? Would it just sit in the savings account? Yeah, because it's, it's really my emergency fund. It's part of okay, my emergency so, fund. So are you digging into your emergency fund then to, to yep. pay for this? How like okay? What how low on your emergency fund are you going there? I'm gonna have like maybe a month and a half of expenses sitting there. Okay, so what happens if something goes wrong 
like during that time period. And now you well, it's to- only going to take me, you know, we already role played this, but it's only going to take me like 10 months to, to build it back up. Sure. What happens if something occurs during that 10 months? Like, where is it that you're pulling money from to, to fix that issue? And if you're already comfortable pulling the money to, to get down that skinny on your emergency reserve, maybe we should, like, you shouldn't be comparing it to that 3% savings rate. You should be comparing it to wherever you would stick the money if you're not going to do this. Yep. Which is usually a much higher interest rate. We usually wind up with like somewhere between a four and a six, maybe even a 7% uh, time value of money calculation for opportunity cost. Because you're always going to go to like, okay, I've got an extra dollar. What's the best purpose for that dollar? Yeah. So then that takes us to the next role play. So let's just say I had excess, excess of my emergency fund, right? Let's just say I'm actually putting extra money in my savings account and it's, it's actually got the majority of the extra money is going to go to the car now, right? To yeah, your point so- that you just brought up. <laughs> Okay, should it have been sitting in your emergency fund? And the answer to that question might be yes. Right. Right? Because there might be a valid question. It might be like Alex, my question, my answer could be, well, Alex, uh, my my pay is very variable. So I have months where I go down, so I might tap into that like in a month or two because I know that my income's not going to be as high, so yeah, I needed that that high. And with or, that type of scenario, we typically want it to have those extra dollars so that we can go through a couple of those lean months. So I'm less likely to want to part with the dollars to pay down a loan in that particular circumstance. Now, if you tell me like, Hey Alex, I saved up with the express purpose of buying a car in cash. Okay, great. Let's double check and make sure that that's still the best use of those dollars. Um, And that's really just a time value of money calculation of like, okay, if you invest the dollars instead of spending them on the car, what rate were, like what's your expected return long term? Right, right, and that depends on risk profile. There's a lot into that, and this is where I think people aren't really looking at the true cost of everything. Right, so I just did some real quick math here. So forty thousand dollar loan, five percent interest rate is seven hundred fifty five dollars a month. So over a five year, and that's for a five year loan, sixty month loan. So over a sixty months, you would spend forty five thousand three hundred. So you'd spend an additional five thousand dollars. So the question is, is in five years, what risk profile can you make up to five thousand? Should we be looking at five years? Like, there's a bunch of conversation in there, <laughs> and this is how people should be looking at it. Well, and the other thing, Ryan, is that it's not a one or a zero. Like you don't have to put down a hundred percent of the money or zero. You can absolutely like figure out like, Oh, Hey, yeah, no, like I need my monthly payment to be like 300 bucks a month as opposed to 500. Okay. How much do I have to put down? Does that work? If the answer is yes, then great. Do it that way. As opposed to like, like worrying about like trying to come up with the full down payment, the full payment or like, trying to figure out how to finance the full amount and like winding up with a payment that doesn't fit your lifestyle. Like yep. there's ways to, to, to split it in half or a third or wherever else you just got to figure it out and like run with it yourself. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of times people, when they hear, but right, they're so interest rate conscious that I think a lot of people 
I'm guessing when I told them it's only an additional five grand that you'd spend over that five year time horizon. And and I, people listening, please don't take that like, wow, Ryan doesn't really care about money. Five grand's a lot of money. That's that's not what I'm saying. I think most people think it's a lot more than five grand is the point that I'm say, stating because they haven't actually right. sat down to do the math of what the true cost is. Or sat down and figured out like, hey, if I put that into an investment, what do I expect to return from that investment over that same time period? Yep. Yeah, because you if you kept the forty thousand dollars and grew it at three percent, your future value in five years is forty six thousand. Yeah. So I think this might come across, Alex, as we're suggesting to never take the, the car loan. <laughs> and, and that's not what we're saying. I think the big piece that you and I are constantly aware of is flexibility should be there. And the true cost of interest, especially on a car loan, isn't that big. Now, emotionally, right, I think debt can be so stressful. And if that's the case, if you really stress over having that debt, that's this is a much different conversation. This is more of like numbers conversation, not emotions. Right. Well, and like some people just really don't like having a car payment or don't like having to owe people money or whatever else and think, okay, cool. If that's you, just save it up and do it differently. Yep. Yeah. This is not a one size fits all, but this is bringing to light the true cost and and cash flow aspect of purchasing a car, either via loan or via cash. For sure. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Uh, We don't actually have a question of the day today, Ryan. Well, we do not. So question of the day. The last time you bought a car, what what formula, what exercise did you go through to figure out how to buy it? Either somewhat, maybe some version of a loan, like 50% paid in cash. Like how did you figure out what to do to buy the car? Head over to beerandmoney.net. There's a contact us page. I'd actually love to hear this question answered because uh, I think we'll get a bunch of different uh, exercises that people do, um, or maybe we'll get none and maybe people don't analyze it the way that you are analyzing it right now. I'm not well, sure. In the spirit of transparency, why don't we each answer that question as well? So the last the last car that I bought, um, we wound up uh, we looked took a look at. Uh, getting a a lease. We took a look at buying it outright and we took a look at uh, financing it. And ultimately we decided that financing was the, the least costly route. So we wound up, you know, we put, uh, I want to say like 5k down and then finance the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, I did, we did the, a very similar thing where we analyzed the exact same, it's pretty much the exact same scenario you just did. And we're a big fan of flexibility. And so th- what's interesting about that is, is the lease is coming due here and we're, I'm going to buy the car, but I'm actually still going to take the loan on the car just because I like sitting on that cash. Like you just never know. Now it's not just sitting in cash earning a two or 3%, right? It's earning closer to 6%. But the point of the matter is, is I like that. Uh, sense of security. I also love the flexibility of that aspect. So that's how we chose it. Beerandmoney.net. Love to hear everyone else's. So at the top, contact us. Look, we hope this episode is valuable for you. We started this podcast to help you look at your money from a different perspective and hopefully from a perspective of like 
uh, actually enjoying and having action items from this. I think Alex and I understand that financial advisors, we love to talk in jargon and talk spreadsheet. Hopefully we don't come across that way. Um, but we want you to, we want you to be financially free from the standpoint of not stressing over it so that you can be free to be with your family and really be in the moment. So we hope this episode was valuable for you. And as always, Mr. Collins. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation, or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities LLC, OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850. Portland, Oregon, 97201. Phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License, number 1531912. CA Insurance License, number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License, number 7264699. CA Insurance License, number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2023-159880. Expiration, August 2025.